This is day 208 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be completing Acts chapters 15 through 19. Lord God, as we go into your presence, may you richly bless us today. Lord God, we are so lost. We are so often confused and ignorant of the things of the Spirit. Lord, help us to see with the spiritual eyes that you've given us through your Holy Spirit and through the Word that you've provided. Lord, we are so distracted. We're so lost without you. Please help us to show compassion to people today, to show mercy and to show love to those who don't know you, or that we may offer your gospel of peace to them and that they may experience the eternal life that we will enjoy. Please bless the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And when Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them, the brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and some others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this issue. Therefore, being sent on their way by the church, they were passing through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, and were bringing great joy to all the brethren. When they arrived at Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up, saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he also did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why do you put God to the test? By placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. But we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, in the same way as they also are. All the people kept silent, and they were listening to Barnabas and Paul as they were relating what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they had stopped speaking, James answered, saying, Brethren, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first concerned himself about taking from among the Gentiles a people for his name. With this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After these things I will return, and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen, and I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from long ago. 
Therefore it is my judgment that we do not trouble those who are turning to God from among the Gentiles, but that we write to them that they abstain from things contaminated by idols, and from fornication, and from what is strangled, and from blood. For Moses, from ancient generations, has in every city those who preach him, since he is read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders, with the whole church, to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. And they sent this letter by them. The apostles and the brethren who are elders, to the brethren in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia who are from the Gentiles. Greetings. Since we have heard that some of our number, to whom we gave no instruction, have disturbed you with their words, unsettling your souls, it seemed good to us, having become of one mind, to select men to send to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore we have sent Judas and Silas, who they themselves will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials, that you abstain from things sacrificed to idols, and from blood, and from things strangled, and from fornication. If you keep yourselves free from these things, you will do well. Farewell. So when they were sent away, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. When they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Judas and Silas, also being prophets themselves, encouraged and strengthened the brethren with a lengthy message. After they had spent time there, they were sent away from the brethren in peace to those who had sent them out. But it seemed good to Silas to remain there. But Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch, teaching and preaching with many others also the word of the Lord. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaimed the word of the Lord, and see how they are. Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them also. But Paul kept on insisting that they should not take him along, who had deserted them in Pamphylia, and had not gone with them to do the work. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another, and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. And he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. And a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek, and he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted this man to go with him, and he took him 
and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. They passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mysia, they came to Troas. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him, and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So putting out to sea from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and on the day following to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. And we were staying in this city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to a riverside, where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer. And we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. A woman named Lydia, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabric, a worshiper of God, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. It happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl, having a spirit of divination, met us, who was bringing her masters much fortune by fortune-telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High God, who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for many days. But Paul was greatly annoyed, and turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, These men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews, and are proclaiming customs which it is not lawful for us to accept or to observe, being Romans. The crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely, 
And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, together with all who were in the house. And he brought them into his house, and set food before them, and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. Now when day came, the chief magistrates sent their policemen, saying, Release those men. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The chief magistrates have sent to release you. Therefore come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us in public without trial, men who are Romans, and have thrown us into prison. And now are they sending us away secretly? No, indeed, but let them come themselves and bring us out. The policemen reported these words to the chief magistrates. They were afraid when they heard that they were Romans, and they came and appealed to them. And when they had brought them out, they kept begging them to leave the city. They went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia, and when they saw the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. Now when they had traveled through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And according to Paul's custom, he went to them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I am proclaiming to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with a large number of the God-fearing Greeks and a number of the leading women. But the Jews, becoming jealous and taking along some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob and set the city in an uproar. And attacking the house of Jason, they were seeking to bring them out of the people. When they did not find them, they began dragging Jason and some brethren before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have upset the world have come here also, and Jason has welcomed them, and they all act contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. 
They stirred up the crowd and the city authorities who heard these things. And when they had received a pledge from Jason and the others, they released them. The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Therefore many of them believed, along with a number of prominent Greek women and men. But when the Jews of Thessalonica found out that the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul in Berea also, they came there as well, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul out to go as far as the sea, and Silas and Timothy remained there. Now those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they left. Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. And also some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. Some were saying, What would this idle babbler wish to say? Others, He seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities, because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is which you are proclaiming? For you are bringing some strange things to our ears, so we want to know what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made of hands. Nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. Being then the children of God, 
we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to sneer, but others said, We shall hear you again concerning this. So Paul went out of their midst. But some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysus the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. After these things, he left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. He came to them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and they were working, for by trade they were tent makers. And he was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. But when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself completely to the word, solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But when they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius, Justus, a worshiper of God, whose house was next to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord with all his household, and many of the Corinthians, when they heard, were believing and being baptized. And the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no man will attack you in order to harm you, for I have many people in this city. So he settled there, a year and a half, teaching the word of God among them. But while Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him before the judgment seat, saying, This man persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrong or a vicious crime, O Jews, it would be reasonable for me to put up with you. But if there are questions about words and names and your own law, look after it yourselves. I am unwilling to be a judge of these matters. And he drove them away from the judgment seat. And they all took hold of Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and began beating him in front of the judgment seat. But Gallio was not concerned about any of these things. Paul, 
having remained many days longer, took leave of the brethren and put out to sea for Syria. And with him were Priscilla and Aquila. In Sencria he had his hair cut, for he was keeping a vow. They came to Ephesus, and he left them there. Now he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer time, he did not consent, but taking leave of them and saying, I will return to you again if God wills, he set sail from Ephesus. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and went down to Antioch. And having spent some time there, he left and passed successively through the Galatian region and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Now a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wanted to go across to Achaia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he had arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit? when you believed? And they said to him, No, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. There were in all about twelve men. And he entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. This took place for two years, so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out. But also some of the Jewish exorcists 
who went from place to place, attempted to name over those who had the evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, I adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Seven sons of one Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And the evil spirit answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus, and I know about Paul, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued all of them and overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known to all, both Jews and Greeks, who lived in Ephesus. And fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. Many also of those who had believed kept coming, confessing and disclosing their practices. And many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of everyone. And they counted up the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. Now after these things were finished, Paul purposed in the Spirit to go to Jerusalem after he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time, there occurred no small disturbance concerning the way. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Artemis, was bringing no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen of similar trades, and said, Men, you know that our prosperity depends upon this business. You see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a considerable number of people, saying that gods made with hands are no gods at all. Not only is there danger that this trade of ours fall into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis be regarded as worthless, and that she whom all of Asia and the world worship will even be dethroned from her magnificence. When they heard this and were filled with rage, they began crying out, saying, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. The city was filled with the confusion, and they rushed with one accord into the theater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. And when Paul wanted to go into the assembly, the disciples would not let him. Also, some of the Asiarchs, who were friends of his, sent to him, and repeatedly urged him not to venture into the theater. So then, some were shouting one thing, and some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and the majority did not know for what reason they had come together. Some of the crowd concluded it was Alexander, since the Jews had put him forward, and having motioned with his hand, Alexander was intending to make a defense to the assembly. 
But when they recognized that he was a Jew, a single outcry arose from them all as they shouted for about two hours, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. After quieting the crowd, the town clerk said, Men of Ephesus, what man is there, after all, who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is guardian of the temple of the great Artemis, and of the image which fell down from heaven? So since these are undeniable facts, you ought to keep calm and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither robbers of temples nor blasphemers of our goddess. So then, if Demetrius and the craftsmen who are with him have a complaint against any man, the courts are in session and proconsuls are available. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you want anything beyond this, it shall be settled in the lawful assembly. For indeed, we are in danger of being accused of a riot in connection with today's events, since there is no real cause for it. And in this connection, we are unable to account for this disorderly gathering. After saying this, he dismissed the assembly. All right, so let's see what happened today in the many adventures of Paul and the gang. So we start off with Paul and Barnabas having a huge debate with the people about the need for circumcision. And so there's still a lot of misunderstandings because the movement of Jesus at this time was fairly new across the whole region. And so there was still a lot of misunderstandings and confusion about what was considered the right thing to do. So it started with Peter, right? We saw last time that Peter learned that no man should be considered unclean, Gentiles or Jews. And so God sees them all the same. So how is it that God sees them the same and one is asked to be circumcised and the other one is not? Is there something wrong here? Or is there some other way that we need to see this? And so they ended up agreeing that Circumcision is not necessary for salvation because the Gentiles who are not circumcised were being saved. And so they saw that it's no longer necessary, so we shouldn't expect for people who believe in Jesus to get circumcised. Not everybody agreed with that, not everybody liked that, but that's exactly what they agreed on, and that is correct. Then we see in, near the end of the first half of the chapter we see James again standing up and saying something profound. And again, this is the half-brother of Jesus. He quotes from Amos chapter 9 to show that we should not be judging these people, nor should we demand circumcision. So this was fulfilled during this time. It says that the Jew and the Gentile will both know the Lord once the kingdom is established by the tabernacle of David. And so we already know that Jesus Christ established that tabernacle, and so now this is being fulfilled. So they agreed, and they ended up writing a letter so that all the people that were believers could all know what they agreed upon, and so they made the rounds to show that letter to everyone. 
and it was received well. Then before we get to chapter 16, Paul and Barnabas have a disagreement. They did not agree on whether or not they should take Mark with them. Paul's issue was that apparently he abandoned them at one point and deserted them. And Paul held on to that, whether out of bitterness or he's someone who could not be trusted. So I don't want to travel with this guy. And Barnabas was like, just let him go. Who cares, right? But Paul was insisting, no, I'm not taking him. And so they disagreed on this, and they ended up going their own ways. And so instead, Paul went on his second missionary journey with Silas this time. And so they went to, in chapter 16, Lystra, and they met Timothy there. And we know, based on the fact that the Bible has a couple of books dedicated to him, that this man is someone significant to Paul. And he treats him like a son that he never had. So we get to see that relationship building up here, and we see Timothy being involved moving forward. So then when we get to verse 10, then you see a change in the way that the events are being told. We see that when he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia. That's the first time we see a personal reference here. So what it appears to be is Luke is the writer of the Acts. So at this point, Luke is there. He is physically there and witnessing what is going on. And so this is the first time that we see Luke himself enter into the activity of what's going on in the book of Acts. Whether or not this is around the time he got saved or not, we don't really know, but this is the first time we see him involved in a missionary trip. So they went to Philippi next, which is the home of the Philippians. And it makes me wonder if these events took place because of the way Paul was acting. Because everything seemed to be going just fine until there was this slave girl who was going around annoying Paul by saying that these men are bondservants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. And this is a demon saying this. And he was proclaiming the truth. And he's a demon. I thought that was very interesting. And you would think that's a good thing, right? That he's proclaiming the truth. But Paul gets annoyed. And he tells the spirit to leave the child. And the demon leaves. But then the whole city gets thrown into chaos. Because that one guy was apparently making a profit off of her divination. Or the false divination. Fortune telling doesn't produce actual prophecy and actual future events. They're just predictions. So because that man who was using that girl is no longer making any money off of her, then he starts getting people upset and trying to cause things to go into chaos. And without even making sure what they were doing, they took Paul and Silas, beat them, and threw them in prison. And that is illegal for Roman citizens, which he explains later, they are Roman citizens. And so what they just did was against the Roman law, and they were freaking out about that at the end here. But let's talk about the account of Paul and Silas in the prison. So we see this miraculous thing happen, and then the jailer comes to them and says, Sirs, 
What must I do to be saved? And what does Paul say? Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Doesn't say anything about being baptized in here, right? You only simply need to believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That's how you that's the path of salvation right there. You don't need baptism. Baptism is just symbolic. But here's something we need to understand as well. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. So does that mean if the leader of the household gets saved, then everybody gets saved? Well, no, not individually. They don't get saved. But that house becomes a Christian home. Even though there's unbelievers in the house, because the leader of the home is a Christian now, it is a Christian home. And there are some blessings and benefits that come from that. But no, individually, each person is responsible for their own salvation. But in this particular case, it says that they all believed and the whole household did get saved. But that's not a surefire thing. So if I accept Christ, doesn't mean my kids will get saved. They need to personally accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior for them to get saved. So it's not what I do, but hopefully the, the efforts I put in as a parent are going to lead to that result anyway. It's up to God's sovereignty. It's not anything I can do, but God has told us to foster a Christian environment and raise them in the way of God. So certainly those things should help. So then the next day, the leaders tried to release them and just keep it quiet. But Paul was like, oh, no, you don't. I am a Roman citizen, and they're just going to try to get rid of us quietly? Oh, no, they're not. And then they started getting really worried because they were Romans, and they could have appealed. And so we see later Paul using that authority that he has, that right of being a Roman citizen. At any time, you can have a right to an appeal and a right to a court hearing where you can petition to to approach the emperor himself if you dare do so. But bear in mind, you do it for no reason. You'll probably get killed. But Paul didn't care, and that's going to happen much later. And we see Paul going around, and you'll see that he has a tradition. There's a thing that he does every time he goes to a new city. Is The first thing he does is he goes into the synagogue, and he tries to appeal to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. And then he goes to the Gentiles. And usually, unfortunately, the Jews that he speaks to, some believe, but there's those ones that are Pharisaic in nature that use evil methods in order to reinforce their stubbornness. And they were jealous, and they started throwing the whole city into chaos in Thessalonica, the city of the Thessalonians. And they said, these men have upset the whole world, and now they are here. And so everyone is freaking out, and they end up sneaking out Paul from their midst, and they went on their way. So we know later that he's going to write to the Thessalonians. But just for clarity's sake, the order of the letters in the Bible are not in chronological order. Chronologically, The Thessalonian letters are the earliest ones written. And it makes sense because he was only there for a few weeks before he got kicked out of town. And so I'm sure there was a lot of unfinished business he had with them 
that he wanted to share with them. And so that's why he wrote to them shortly after all this happened. Then when he went to a new place, Berea, he went to the synagogue and he said that those people were more noble-minded. And I thought that was an interesting thing to say. They were more noble-minded. And this is a character trait. And it shows how open-minded they were to the scriptures. Because it says here, and this is something we need to be doing, they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. We should not be taking things blindly from people. Even for me. If you don't believe what I'm saying, that's fine. But check what the Bible says and see if I'm wrong. And if I am ever wrong, I hope you can tell me. But this is how we grow in our spiritual journey, is to not only pray, but also to seek the Lord in his word and to examine these things to see if this is legitimate. So we don't just take a pastor's word at the pulpit for what it is. Even on YouTube, we don't just take people's sermons at face value. You should always search the scriptures, because why? The scripture is the ultimate and final authority. And if the word affirms it, then it is true, because everything that comes from the mouth of God is true. We read that in John, right? John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So we need to be like them. Then we see Paul go to Athens. And so he's there, and he's looking at all the idolatry going on there, because they worship everything under the sun over there. And he went and he saw that there was a statue that said, to an unknown God. And that was like, all right, we need to talk about this. And it was not uncommon for people to stand up and speak about something, because Athens was a hub for culture as well as for philosophy. So many times if somebody had a profound thought of any kind, they would appeal to the attention of others, and they would speak whatever they wanted to say. There would be a lot of discourse going on throughout the city. They wanted to spend their time telling and hearing something new, according to the word. And this was something new to them, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Paul provided a thorough gospel, as well as some context and some background as to who this God is. And some people liked it, some people did not as usual. That is normal. When we present the gospel to people, some will agree with what we say, some will not. We are not responsible for the results. We are just responsible for speaking the message. Then in chapter 18, we have Paul going to Corinth, the city of the Corinthians. And Paul has the same habit going into synagogues, and this time they were just so stubborn that they would not hear him so he just went and spoke to the Gentiles. And we can kind of tell by the way Jesus talked to Paul in a vision that you need to not be afraid any longer. I think that he was afraid of only being able to stay in one place for a very short time before he gets beaten or, or being thrown out of town or thrown in prison, so on and so forth. But this time Jesus is comforting him, saying that nothing's going to happen to him here. So then he's able to settle down and stay longer term. And so we see him stay here for a year and a half. 
So then at this point, Paul saw that his journey was pretty much complete, so he made his way back to Antioch. And then shortly thereafter, he went on his next missionary journey. So this time, he was with a man named Apollos. And this time, Paul went through Ephesus, the home of the Ephesians. Now, we see that God is working crazy things in Paul, right? We saw in verse 11 that God was performing extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that handkerchiefs or aprons that were carried from his body to the sick were being healed. I mean, that is crazy how much spiritual power Paul had. The Holy Spirit was really active in him. Then there were some Jewish exorcists. These exorcists are magicians who could cast out demons. What's funny about this is that if they claim to be magicians, they were not able to cast out demons unless they used the name of Jesus. Do you see how they did it, though? They, They don't believe in the name of Jesus, but they think that there's power in the name. And there is indeed power in the name, the greatest power in this name, but they have no faith in this name. And so they commanded demons to come out by the name of Jesus, thinking that just because they're speaking his name, it's going to work. But I love the response of this one demon to show just how useless their activity was. I recognize Jesus, and I know about Paul, but who are you? So does the name not have any power if there's no faith in it? Maybe. But God also did not command that demon to come out because even though they used the name, God did not bless that. So therefore, it was empty. And that goes to show for us that we cannot be using the name of Jesus so flippantly. But secondly is, if we don't genuinely believe in this name of Jesus, it's not going to mean anything to us. So we need to make sure it means something to us, and we need to be doing something with it. And then in the second half of chapter 19, we see some silversmiths who are getting a little scared because Paul and these guys are coming over here trying to convince people not to worship idols, and their jobs were literally to make idols. And so they were upset because we have this great temple of Artemis, which is one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, and we're not going to let this guy tell us how to worship here. We want to worship Artemis. And so they get the whole city involved with this, and things get out of hand pretty quick until you have a city clerk come out and say, you guys are creating a riot out of nothing. There's nothing going on. If these guys are offending you, just ignore them. But you keep doing this, and this is turning into an illegal activity. There should not be a riot in this city. And so it stops before it gets out of control. And with that, that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.